Hi everyone, welcome to the Performance Nutrition Files podcast. My name is Charles Ashford and I'm a sports nutritionist currently practicing in the US while studying for my PhD in sports nutrition. Honestly, I love podcasts, I listen to a ton of podcasts and you know, for a while now I've been thinking about taking the plunge and rolling out my own and here we are and this is not your typical sports nutrition podcast. This is going to be aimed more at the practitioner um, and our guests are going to be discussing their real life experiences and some of the scenarios and obstacles you may have to overcome in your career. So if you have any suggestions or guest requests, please let me know. Um, any feedback you want to provide me, completely open to it. And uh, yeah, we're going to jump into episode one. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, welcome to episode one of the Performance Nutrition Files podcast. Today we are speaking with sports dietitian Peter Ritz. Peter is going to share a unique insight into something that many of us will experience throughout our careers, and that's the transition between job and roles and or teams. So without that, without further ado, I'm going to turn it straight over to Peter and get into today's episode. So Peter, thank you for being here this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me, Charles. In uh, true podcast fashion, um, just to get us underway here, if you could just give us a little bit of a brief background on your kind of education and experience, which has led you up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm originally from the Dallas area. I grew up um, and was raised in Texas, been there essentially all my life. Um, I got my start at Texas A&M um, during undergraduate. Um, I walked into a guest lecture, actually, um, that John Tangway, the director at A&M, um, was speaking at. And at the time, um, I was studying biomedical engineering, and I was just really interested in human physiology um, and didn't really know where I was going to go with that. Um, and after that lecture, I ran into him in the parking lot, actually, and uh, just asked if he had any volunteer opportunities available and spent the, the next three years working, um, working for him there at Texas A&M. Um, I was stocking fridges and making smoothies, um, just slinging snacks, you know, doing all the, the typical um, student worker type stuff um, for like 20 or 30 hours a week. And I just loved every minute of it. Um, and uh, it, it was honestly one of the, the most fun and um, just gratifying experiences I could have had. Um, he also ended up helping me change majors and uh, ended up um, getting a, a double bachelor's in nutrition and ex-phys um, while, while I was working with him there at the time. Um, I also did a couple in, unpaid internships um, during that time frame. I worked at an Exos, um, which, I got a little bit of experience with some professional athletes, some high school athletes um, on both the nutrition and the training front, which was a, a cool experience. And then uh, also spent some time at the University of Florida where I got to do um, kind of the, the management end of um, food service and what, you know, running a fuel bar looks like. So, so each of those experiences was, was a, um, just a cool different opportunity to kind of look into a, a different phase of what being a sports dietitian um, really looks like. Um, and then I ended up doing my dietetic internship at Baylor Medical Center um, in Dallas. A, that was a year I spent totally dedicated to clinical nutrition um, and then ended up at Virginia Tech as a graduate assistant um, where I eventually transitioned into a full-time role um, working with football, women's lacrosse, and uh, the two tennis programs. 
And then uh, I joined uh, Northwestern um, last year and have been there for about a year now um, and have loved, loved getting to be there, um, love the staff there. Um, I'm really looking forward to continuing to, to develop that, that job in the department at, uh, at Northwestern. So, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, that's a real kind of wide array, diverse experiences that you've had there. And that's, that's awesome. So let's speak about that transition from Virginia Tech to Northwestern. And obviously, you know, many people listening to this podcast will know that finding your feet in any new job can be challenging. Um, you know, you had to move, you found yourself in a brand new environment. Um, football rosters are often over 100 individuals. So now you throw a global pandemic into the mix, um, you know, which kind of took over collegiate sport last spring. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, I, I'm assuming you worked virtually for a great deal in that first portion of your job. Yeah, for anyone that knows me, uh, I'm a big planner. I'm going to spend a lot of time um, thinking about things and trying to, to mull over every possible um, option or um, thing that could pop up um, looking at a new job. And uh, my first day of work was February 28th. Um, so I worked a total of 10 days in person um, before the facility was closed. Um, so about two weeks. Um, and I spent essentially all of that time trying to, to get to know our athletes and our staff. Um, I didn't even move into a, my apartment until right before the stay at home order. Um, I bought a couch the day of uh, my first day of lockdown. Um, so I was, I was literally working on the floor for a while. Um, so that, that two week period when I was there was huge. Um, if you had told me beforehand that that would be enough time to get to know guys and to get to know the program, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but that period was huge for me. Um, I went in ahead of time knowing that, that that, um, first six months was going to be um, just trying to listen and learn and um, really just spend time with people um, and just trying to um, get a better gauge on what the program needed. Um, so I spent the majority of that time just talking to people. Um, once we started working remotely, um, the focus was still on just developing relationships, but um, I think trying to get creative and figuring out ways to, to still get that face time um, and keep them engaged. Whereas I, I would have been able to just, you know, jump up into the weight room and get that, get that time. Um, I, I kind of had to create it um, virtually through FaceTime, through um, WebEx or Zoom or whatever um, platform we were using. Um, I think in all honesty, the biggest challenge for me though was our staffing model at the time. Um, so at Virginia Tech, I had come from a, a staff where we had five full-time dietitians on staff and a, a part-time consultant. Um, and here at Northwestern, when I started, um, the original plan was to have three full-time dietitians on staff and then um, two part-time consultants and a couple interns and um, like younger dietitians just still trying to um, climb their way up. Um, and actually both of our full-time dietitians went on maternity leave um, that same time frame. Um, so I was just trying to keep the ship steered straight at that point, um, figure out ways we could provide, you know, the same education and resources at home that we were providing to football, 
um, to everybody. Um, and so that, that was big for me, not getting to um, collaborate as much as I had in the past. I didn't realize how important that was to me um, in my professional um, kind of career. And so that's something that when they came back um, was just even more um, important to me was getting to spend time with them as well and figure out, you know, even as the football dietitian, what could I learn from and um, kind of mold our entire program into instead of just focusing on, on football um, alone. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly a challenge having one sport, but then there's multiple sports, although additional work definitely does give you some extra insights. You, you spoke about being a planner, um, and I know personally when I moved into my current role, you know, I had a whole list of things that I wanted to change, implement, you know, I had all these great ideas, I was going to go in, shake things up. Once you finally made it onto campus uh, and you geared up for the season, um, you know, you're in the facility, how did you go about making these changes? Um, did you conduct any kind of needs analysis? I know you spoke about building those relationships and speaking to individuals, you know, speak to me a little bit about that. Yeah, this is an awesome question, um, specifically because I think um, a lot of young dietitians um, and really in just about any job, um, it's easy to just jump in and start implementing things um, that you've seen at the different places that you've interned um, or that you've read or heard about um, through different people that you're networking with. Um, and I definitely have fallen um, guilty of that myself. Um, at Tech, for example, I jumped in head first um, and I made a lot of changes really quickly. Um, and while it worked in that situation, I knew that this situation was going to be a little bit different. Um, Northwestern had a little bit more um, established relationship with football. Um, Virginia Tech, when I first got there, didn't have anyone traveling. Um, and I think the coaching staff was still trying to buy into the concept um, of a, a football dietitian and what that looked like. Um, I was super fortunate to attend um, CPSDA's advanced practice workshop um, right before I um, started at Northwestern. Um, for those that aren't familiar, um, CPSDA is um, one of the big um, professional and sports or prof college and professional um, sports nutrition associations. Um, and this workshop was um, gave me the ability to kind of discuss um, in a smaller group some common obstacles and um, challenges that, that sports dietitians have. Um, and so in that setting, um, it gave me the ability to kind of establish a first year plan, um, which was, was interesting because the majority of the people there were, um, you know, had a lot of experience with the program they were at and um, had, had been able to kind of go into this with a full picture of what their job was like and what they were trying to change. Um, in my boat, I was I was really just trying to, to put an initial plan together with the, the little info that I had. Um, so I spent the days right before and after the interview trying to map out all of the information I had available. Um, and I've done this for pretty much every job that I've ever applied for. Um, the, the method that I like to use and that um, CPSDA actually used as well was a SWOT analysis. Um, so looking at different strengths and weaknesses, um, obstacles, 
or opportunities and then threats um, that that I was going to have um, jumping into this role. Um, and so looking over the job description, I was taking notes on, you know, what each different group um, that I was interacting with was was looking for. What were their different personalities? Um, what were they saying in interviews without saying? Um, just trying to get a, a clear picture of what each group's motivation for creating the position was. Um, and then taking a step back with all that information and asking myself, did I see me filling that gap? Um, did my interests line up with their interests? Um, did my you know, strengths and experiences line up with what they were looking and asking for? Um, so during that two week on campus period, and honestly for the entire stay at home period, uh, probably the first four or five months, I was doing that same thing. Um, again, just trying to get a gauge on, you know, what the, the team and the staff around me needed um, before I made any changes. Um, you can obviously make some, some small tweaks as you go, some of the low hanging fruit type stuff. Um, but I tried not to make any big changes until I felt like I had a really good handle on what the program was already doing. Um, and I, I do this at the beginning of, of each semester. Um, I did it at Tech and I'm doing it here now. Um, I do something similar basically where I'm, I go back and look at my job's mission. What do I, what do I feel like that mission is? And then tackle three or four um, like big goals that I wanna continue to work on. Um, and when I started at NU, the first two big ones were um, being present at every workout because I knew athletes and coaches really valued that face time. Um, and then two, developing a consult plan um, that gave athletes some easy to follow action steps, but then also engaged our coaching staff so that they um, kind of understood what work was going on behind the scenes. Um, and I, I think having those clear goals in mind and being, being able to refer back um, was super important, especially in a time frame like um, the year that we had, um, because it's so easy to get distracted um, when we think about, you know, at any moment during any day, I could get a call or a text saying, hey, we, we have an athlete that's positive. How are we gonna feed them tonight? Um, and, and so it's just so easy to get pulled out of that, um, that mindset that you're originally in, which is here's my, my central goal for the, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think the observation piece is really important. You know, obviously you're dealing with individuals who have been around those athletes, know those athletes far better than you do in the program and probably have a pretty good feel on, you know, some easy steps that you can go in there and implement off the bat. And then I think off the back of that is likely why you see some of that buy-in from the staff and you get that support from the top down. You speak about involving the coaches. I think that that's a big step. You know, if you have the whole organization and everyone pulling in the same direction, then that could be hugely effective. 100%. You, you have to think about all of the different groups that, that you're serving. Um, it, it's easy to think that you're just serving the athletes, but, but in reality, we're serving um, coaching staff in, in a way, we're serving the other dietitians on staff in a way, the administrators. Um, everyone has this concept of what that, of what that um, role looks like. I think one of the coolest parts of my interview process and something that really got me 
me thinking about all those different groups I was serving was I actually interviewed with a group of student athletes um, during the, the day that I interviewed on campus. And that was the coolest experience ever because I got um, firsthand knowledge of, hey, what are you guys looking for? Um, so I, I felt like I already had that buy-in going into my first day because I had already had the opportunity to listen to them and, and make them feel like um, that their opinion was valuable. And I think that's really important. Man, that's, that's awesome. And, and hats off to and you for making that part of your process. Again, I'm conscious of your time here, so I'm going to keep this moving. Obviously, we referred to it earlier, you know, learning 100 new faces and names is no easy feat, let alone coaching staff, support staff, administrators, and for anyone who is not involved in collegiate sport, probably could not appreciate how many uh, kind of individuals there are behind the scenes. And, you know, it's, it's always a common theme that building these relationships across the organization is key to your success. Um, but how did you make this process easy for yourself and maybe make up for some of that lost time? I know you spoke about being present at workouts, you know, is that just you on the weight room floor? Maybe what are you doing during that time period? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I actually have all of my interns um, when they come in, I, I will um, start asking them questions like that a couple weeks in just to see A, if they're paying attention and B, to make them a little bit more present of that being a task in the first place. I think as an intern, it's really easy to um, know that you're going to be there for a short time frame and not really practice that. Um, thankfully for me, I think Zoom and FaceTime, that format was actually a huge blessing in disguise. Um, in staff meetings and team meetings, I could see everybody's face at one time. So it was like a giant cheat sheet. Um, so I think this transition was actually easier than any other for that because I'm sitting there in meetings, picking out names, um, just trying to memorize over the course of those first couple months. Um, but in reality, if you, uh, if you're there in person, it just comes down to FaceTime. Um, if you're around the guys on a daily basis, you're going to learn those names. Um, you just have to make sure that it's something that you're intentional about, um, when there's a couple hundred of them and there's one of you, they're going to remember your name pretty quickly. Um, so it's important that they feel like you know their name as well as soon as possible um, so, that, so that they feel valued and um, you can start to develop that organic relationship. Yeah, I think one word to really highlight there is your use of intentional, you know, being intentional with your time and efforts, especially in those early steps. I think for a lot of people, if you said, oh, I'm going to go hang out in the weight room and observe a workout, people are like, well, this doesn't sound too productive. But, you know, I, I find, you know, when athletes are lifting, feeling themselves a little bit, that's a ton of nutrition questions crop up in that time period when they're a little more engaged. And, you know, there's maybe a means to the action as opposed to, hey, I need you to come speak with me in my office at this time about your question, right? 100%. Take advantage of those endorphins. Our athletes love working out. Um, I think that, in my opinion, has been a great opportunity, if not one of the best opportunities to have conversations with them um, in one-on-one -on -one and in group settings. It just kind of organically happens. Yeah, and I think following on from that, not only um, do the athletes enjoy that, the strength and conditioning staff does too. And again, anyone not familiar with collegiate sport will know if 
the strength and conditioning stuff is not on the sports nutrition staff side, then you're going to have a difficult time with it because that head strength and conditioning coach is really acting head. 100%. Okay, so I want to circle back to the start here and, you know, speak a little bit about your motivation for applying and accepting a role at Northwestern. Um, at least here in the US, these collegiate job opportunities do seem to crop up fairly often. Um, seems to be a fair bit of turnover. Um, what was it about this position that it really appealed to you and made you accept the role and, and leave your previous role? Yeah, it, it's funny because I didn't actually see myself leaving tech when I did. Um, I felt like I had really kind of hit my sweet spot um, with football that third year. Um, we had, you know, a really solid repeatable plan in place. Um, I felt like um, the players and staff there, um, I had was just loving working with them. Um, the football coaching staff was great. Um, but I also knew that for the long term, um, specifically one of the big reasons was my girlfriend was looking um, for a bigger city um, for her career goals. Um, she had just started her PhD at NC State. And um, I knew that gave me about three years to just kind of keep my eyes open and um, look for something that allowed me to stay in football while also kind of checking those boxes on her end. Um, but after, just three months after finishing my master's, um, the Northwestern position opened um, and I reached out to Katie um, just to see if I'd be a good fit. Um, and like I said, I spent a lot of time assessing that job and a couple of other ones that were currently on the market um, and was just trying to think about what fit both personally and professionally. Um, you know, it obviously checked that city box, um, but it was also a really great opportunity to step into a bigger clinician role um, and away from kind of this food service emphasis that that VT really needed at the time. Um, sports science and the NFL are probably my two um, biggest areas of interest uh, moving forward in my career. Um, and I thought, and you had some great qualities that um, that led me down those those two roads. Um, I love how um, Coach Coach Fitz um, kind of runs his program, very similar to I think what a lot of NFL staffs look like. Um, and the the high performance team here at Northwestern was was an awesome opportunity for me to continue to grow in that way. Um, but I, I just can't stress enough the the importance of um, doing that needs assessment during the interview process. Um, like you said, there's a ton of opportunities that have popped up. Um, specifically in the collegiate and the American football settings in the last couple of years. Um, and it's really easy to get wrapped up in taking the next new and exciting job as soon as um, there's a, an obstacle or a barrier in your way at the, at the current one. Um, but I, I think I'm at that point in my career now where it's, if it's not 100% hell yes, then it's a no. Um, if you feel passionately uh, about what, what you're doing, then you're in a great spot. Um, but if, if you feel like there's something that you need to continue to look for or strive for, then, then keep an open mind and look for it. Um, if you feel passionately that a sports RD should make X salary, um, why would you consider taking a job way below that? Um, if you feel passionately that a sports RD should be um, emphasizing their time as a, as a clinician doing consults and, and working with sports medicine, don't take a job where the interviewers are, are spending all of their time talking about food service needs. Um, 
you've got to be objective and honest with yourself and figure out if that's a spot that, that works for you or, or maybe it's not. Um, and, and don't be afraid to say no, but, but keep an open mind and at least um, look at everything out there. Um, because I think that just gives you the, the most opportunities to take the one that fits when you, when you find it. Yeah, I mean, this is all fantastic advice. I didn't give you this question uh, beforehand, but while we're talking on the subject, you spoke about the needs analysis for individuals who are applying for roles. Um, you know, again, we speak about the US. There's a fair amount of positions open at the time of us recording this. I've seen a good handful crop up in the UK today. What other advice would you give to individuals applying for jobs? You know, maybe yourself when you see applications, what are some things that stand out to you? Ask, ask so many questions. Um, talk to everyone you can think of who's connected to a, to a role. Um, I, I think that was a, a huge part for me was, you know, it's really easy if for me, depending on what your personality is to apply for the job and then just sit back and say, you know, if they reach out, it's fate. If not, then, uh, well, at least I, I threw my, my application in the hat. Um, and the, the people that are getting positions are the ones that are asking questions, networking with the right people. Um, and honestly, that's how I've found every job along the way is just asking, asking questions. I have never blindly um, put an application in and, and gotten even an, an interview because there's just so many people out there. Um, if you work, want to work in American football, then talk to people who are working in American football. If you want to work in the college setting with, you know, men's and women's soccer and tennis, talk to other dietitians who work in men's and women's soccer and tennis. Figure out whatever that, that outlet is um, because otherwise people don't know that you're interested. And, and really, like I said, there's just so many people out there. Um, you're, you're not going to end up um, getting connected like you would. I think you can also learn a ton of information about the position um, through the people who are kind of surrounding it on the outside, um, what they've heard just word of mouth or, um, you, you know, there's a good chance that somebody else were already working in the field already has some info or has been contacted about that job. Um, so don't, don't just kind of sit in your shell and, and hope that you get contacted, make sure that you're, you're reaching out to people. Yeah. I think that's a great point. You know, Typically, job postings are only open for a few weeks, you know, important to really put yourself out there and try and make those connections. Now, obviously, there's a way to do that, you know, to not be overbearing and be professional in your interactions and, you know, make sure you come across well. But I think sometimes you make a great point that people, you know, they send in an application and they sit back and, you know, they one thing I've learned about being here in the US and being in collegiate sport is that uh, everyone knows everyone or is connected in some way, shape or form. So chances are you have someone in your network or someone that you know who can kind of delve a little bit deeper for you. 100%. It's a small, small field. If you had told me the year before um, when I was at conferences or emailing Katie, um, you know, I've, I've done some, some research um, with um, CPSDA as well and had spent a lot of time back and forth um, talking with Katie before that job was posted. I had no idea that that was somewhere that I was even interested in ending up. Um, but those, those relationships and those conversations prior to um, gave me 
some good ground to, to stand on before we had even started the interviews. Um, so every conversation you have is so valuable. Um, again, be intentional and be, be present when, um, when you're networking and um, kind of in that time frame where, you, where you're looking for, for jobs. Yeah, all, all great advice. Um, I want to finish up here. Um, you know, lastly, when we, especially when we speak about collegiate sport and collegiate sports nutrition, you know, a lack of work-life balance is often spoken about uh, amongst peers and is highlighted as a key contributor to burnout and maybe why people leave the field. You know, what are some of your tactics um, that maybe you've learned that you try to maintain you know, in your day-to-day -day life to make sure that you can perform at the highest level when you're on campus and you? Yeah, um, I'll be the first to say that I'm definitely not the expert here. Um, I think I've spent my fair share of time neglecting work-life balance. Um, and it's an area that I was actually really excited about coming to Northwestern um, because it kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of refresh and, um, you know, try to figure out how I was gonna do that moving into a new position. Um, I've learned a lot from our director, um, Katie Knappenberger, and, uh, and even the football staff here, I think does a great job of kind of organizing our schedule so that, that we're able to establish boundaries. Um, I think a huge piece of it is the, the culture in your athletic department. Um, it's either there or it's not, and it's easy to get um, kind of swayed by the people around you that you're working with on a daily basis too. Um, that, that culture is kind of going to grow on its own. Um, over the last few months, at least, the big one for me has been turning my email off at night. Um, I did not realize how often I was looking at notifications or just taking my attention away from whatever I was doing at home. Um, so that's been a huge one. Um, I also put a lot of emphasis on my own um, time for physical fitness. Um, I would guess that for the rest of my career, I will work out early mornings with um, whatever strength staff I'm working with um, because I love that opportunity to, you know, spend some time on myself before the day gets started. But then also, um, you know, just get to grow and develop those relationships um, with the people that you're working around 24 seven. Um, I think that it's also a great opportunity um, for, um, creating some, some mutual respect with your athletes when they see that you're doing the same things that you're asking of them. Um, so, so that's been a huge piece for me. Um, I also feel like it's, it's really important and I don't think people talk about it enough. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning that work-life balance may not be available at every step of the career that you have. Um, and I first got this, um, kind of concept listening to an old podcast um, that the director of at Texas, um, Kate, Amy Culp, um, talks about um, when she first got to the University of Texas as the director, um, she knew that she was going to spend those first couple of years um, really investing in the program so that when her kids got older, um, she could go watch them play sports. That was her kind of example. Um, and, you know, it didn't really click to me. Uh, for me until I heard that story. Um, for, for my girlfriend and I, we knew that our mid twenties were gonna be um, more work than life. Um, and I think we were both okay with pushing for a while. 
um, we both knew that that's what we needed to get to where we wanted to go. Um, and, you know, for a while at, at Tech, I th think it was, it was, there were two sides to the, um, the coin there. Half the time I felt really accomplished for getting so much done. And then the other half the time I felt guilty about, about grinding. Um, and so this, this constant battle between like, oh, I should go home. Oh, I still want to get this stuff done. Um, and it only made that, that relationship with work even harder. Um, so having those conversations with her and then setting some goals myself and, and putting a time frame on it, I think also helps both of us so that we understood, um, Hey, there are going to be some periods of, you know, blast and then some periods of cruise and, and you got to be able to be comfortable with both, both sides of that. Yeah. I mean, every, I think I can relate to everything that you kind of listed there and, I guess if we can offer one piece of life advice here, if anyone in this field is to have a supportive, uh, significant other, you know, uh, you know, fortunately myself, I have a fiance who gets it and understands it. She has a friend in the field too, um, you know, but I think you make a really important point there that it's maybe not going to be there at every step of your career. And, you know, at some point you may have to put in the extra time and hours to, to shine, to be able to, you know, reach the points you want to. And while you're a little bit younger and have the time and ability to do so, you know, to really invest at that stage so you can reap the benefits of it later down the line. Yeah, I think communication is just super important. Um, having those direct conversations with your significant other, or your family or friends or whoever it is so that they understand, um, I get it. Like not everyone is going to be... Um, with someone who also works in collegiate athletics or or has friends or, or whatever it is that, um, but if, if you don't communicate that upfront, then I think you're gonna have an even harder time um, because you either get it or you don't get it, um, unfortunately, working in athletics. Hey man, that, this was awesome. You, you definitely set the bar high uh, for the first episode. If anyone wanted to reach out to you, um, you know, again, trying to be conscious of your time and space is, we're talking about it, but is, is there a good way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, um, I'm on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, I think Peter Ritz, um, maybe on both. And then um, I also, my, my email, you're always welcome to, to reach out with um, questions, um, is just peter.ritz at northwestern.edu. Um, so those are probably the best ways to reach out. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, feel free. I, I um, usually have a couple dietetic interns that we're working with throughout the years. Um, and then I'll, I'll also engage quite a bit on Twitter specifically um, for, for nutrition um, type stuff. So um, always love to chat. Um, thanks again, Charles, for having me. Um, I'm really excited to see what, what you're able to come up with next. And I think this is a is an awesome outlet. I'll, I'll be really curious to see uh, what, what comes of it. Hey, man, appreciate you. Uh, enjoy the rest of the evening.